once again. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. Glad that you're part of Kawita Assembly. If you're online, if you're in person, however, so thankful to get to talk to you this morning. I'm Pastor Cody. I'm the fifth and sixth grade pastor, as you can see, much shorter than Pastor Steve and, uh, you know, a little bit different looking, just a little. Uh, as you'll probably notice, Pastor Steve isn't here this morning. Him and Michelle are enjoying a little bit of time away. So I need to ask you a favor. Can I ask you a favor before we get started this morning? Okay, good. I heard, I heard one, so yeah. Let them be. <laughs> if you need something this week, call us at the church. If you want my phone number after service, come find me and I will give you my phone number. Let Pastor Steve and Michelle have a little break. Let them get recharged, refreshed. We want to help you as much as you need it. So holler at us if you need something. Call the church office. Like I said, call me, whatever. Let's let them have a little break. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Hey, with that, we're going to get into it this morning. If uh, you don't know me, I'm a little bit excitable at times. Uh, those that know laughed. Okay. Um, I'm excited this morning, though. We're going to go to the book of John, and we're going to be talking about a guy named John. Uh, not the same John. We're going to talk about John the Baptist instead of John uh, that wrote the Gospel of John. So if you go there, you can get there. We're going to be there in just a second, John chapter 1. But this morning, we're going to be talking about beholding Jesus. Um, I loved it. Pastor Matt, just perfect scripture, Colossians 1. Uh, for everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, invisible, the invisible. All things have been created through him. He's before all things, and by him, all things are held together. We see Jesus in the creation. We see Jesus in the world. And our hope this morning is that we see Jesus for ourselves just a little bit clearer than whenever we walked in here. If you don't know about John the Baptist, John the Baptist was related to Jesus in some way. Cousin, second cousin, something. Um, he probably knew Jesus growing up. He had probably heard the stories from his parents about the angels visiting Mary and Joseph and telling them what Jesus would one day become, telling them about the Messiah that had finally come to earth. After all these years, all this time, they had been searching and learning and knowing what the Messiah was going to be like, and finally the Messiah is here on earth. So it's no surprise. In John chapter 1, verse 29, John the Baptist says, The next day he saw Jesus coming towards him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. With my Elevate kids, whenever I, whenever I use this verse, I always say, you have to say it like, Behold. You know, it's just such a big word. It's such, a, such an amazing thing to not just look at something and see it and point it out, but to behold Jesus. Like we said, John the Baptist knew Jesus growing up. He knew what Jesus was all about. And he for himself was excited to tell his disciples, tell the people that he was around day in and day out about this guy who is going to be the Messiah, who is going to save the world. He's excited. And so I just, I feel like he was probably a little bit like me this morning, a little bit excited, a little bit jumpy, a little bit giddy finally getting to show his disciples the guy they had been talking about for so long. A couple of the guys even took notice. If we read on down John chapter 1, verse 35, that's where we're going to read this morning. It says, the next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and he said, behold, 
the Lamb of God. The two disciples that heard him say this, they started following Jesus. Jesus turned, he saw them following them, and he asked them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. And so they went and they saw where he was staying and they stayed with him for that day, for it was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak and follow Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He found his own brother, Simon, and he said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means the Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You should be called Cephas, which means Peter. So now because one person told one person, John the Baptist told Andrew, and that one person told somebody else, his brother Peter, we now have Peter, the guy that Jesus said he would build his church upon, the rock, all because one guy told one guy who told another guy. It doesn't take a whole lot to tell somebody about Jesus. We, I think we've overemphasized. We've, we've psyched ourselves out sometimes on how hard it is to tell somebody about Jesus. We worry about what people will say to us. We worry how people react whenever we bring up the name of Jesus. We worry that maybe they'll just walk away and not say anything at all. Sometimes that's just as bad. We worry about telling people about Jesus because we've built it up like, oh, we have to do it this certain way and we have to say this certain thing and we have to do it this certain way when really John the Baptist kind of showed us right there. He was like, hey, look, it's Jesus. <laughs> Wasn't a whole lot. He didn't add a whole lot to it. He just pointed out who Jesus was and where he was at that point. It doesn't take a whole lot. And I think we psych ourselves up, but they give us the answer right here. They give us the way of how we should start to tell people about Jesus. They told their circle. Me and my wife, we talk about this a lot, about influencing our circle, influencing the things that we personally can affect. We all have those friends. We all have those people that are close to us that we can talk to, that we can say anything to, we can have a conversation with. I have people in my life who we don't see eye to eye on quite a few things, but we can have conversations about it. We can talk and we can see each other's side and we can figure it out together through talking. We have our circle, those people that we know and that know us. John the Baptist had his disciples. He had those people that were with him day in and day out, that walked beside him, that learned from him, that listened to him. And as soon as he told them, hey, this is the Messiah, this is that guy, they listened to him. A couple of them even went off and followed Jesus. We have Andrew goes and tells his brother, probably one of his closest friends, I think back over the years of the relationships that I've had with my brothers and where I could tell them anything and they could tell me anything. I think this is the same way. Whenever we start to tell people about Jesus, whenever we uh, are scared or whenever we're worried about telling people about Jesus, this is where we have to start. We have to start with that close group of friends that we have. We have to start with those people that we know we can trust and talk to. Those are the people that we have to start telling Jesus about. Now, the thing about it is everybody needs Jesus, right? Not just those people that are close to us. People need to see Jesus. And I think really if most of us thought about it, whenever we first started being a Christian, whenever we first came to know God, we probably uh, didn't know Jesus that well. We probably came and 
found out more about Jesus along the way, but it's somebody had to start by showing us who Jesus was. We have to tell people about Jesus. But here's the thing. Sometimes we add on to that. We tell people about Jesus and. Oh man, you gotta come to my church. My church is awesome. And guys, I love our church. If I didn't love our church, I wouldn't be in here. I love what our church does for the community. I love what our church does for the world. I love what our church is about. Amen, there we go. But there are times when we're trying to tell people about Jesus, we tell people about Jesus and. As much as I love our church, as much as I love myself, I'm gonna mess up. I am not Jesus. I'm not perfect. I am hopefully representing Jesus in all that I do and all that I say, but at the end of the day, I'm gonna mess up. At the end of the day, our favorite preacher, our favorite speaker, our favorite person to listen to, they're going to mess up because they're not Jesus. When we tell people about Jesus, we have to tell people about Jesus, not Jesus and. Don't get me wrong. We need to try to represent Jesus. Our words, our actions, what we do needs to represent Jesus because people are going to see that. But when we tell people about Jesus, we need to tell them about the things that he did in this book. We need to tell them about the things that he's done in our lives personally. We need to tell them about the things that he's done in other people's lives that we know. We have to tell people about Jesus, not Jesus and. We have to see Jesus. We have to see him for who he really is. And that way we can go and tell others. I think about it kind of like a pilot light on a gas stove. Everybody knows pilot light, right? Yep, okay, good. I just had to make sure everybody was like nodding their head and in there still. Pilot light, when you turn it on, the gas starts going, but you can't see anything, right? And then as soon as you flick that match, as soon as you hit that flame, it goes and it burns. I think about Jesus the same way. Jesus is love, Jesus' presence is all around us, but until we acknowledge it, until we see it, it's just gonna be there. But when we do, when we see Jesus for who he is, when we realize how much he cares about us and loves us, it's like that fire all around us. It ignites and we can share it with other people. We have to know Jesus for ourselves. We have to see him before we can ever show him to other people. So that's it, we point to our circle. We show our circle, we tell our friends, but we don't stop there because the Great Commission isn't go into the world and tell your friends about me. <laughs> the Great Commission is go into the world, telling them about Jesus, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that Jesus is gonna be with us no matter what until the very end of the age. We have to tell the world. So how do we go? How do we go out from our comfortable, close group of friends telling about Jesus to telling the world. Let's read here in Matthew chapter 14. We're gonna start in verse 13. His disciples, Jesus' disciples, had been following him for a while. They had seen the things that he did. They had listened to the things that he said. They knew what Jesus was all about. But now Jesus asked them, 
to take that next step. Let's read Matthew chapter 14. We'll start in verse 13. It says, when Jesus heard about it and it is being John the Baptist was beheaded. Jesus's friend, the person that told a lot of people about him, he's now dead. So Jesus withdrew from there by a boat to a remote place to be alone. And when the crowds heard of this, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. Jesus, even though this is probably one of the worst days of his life, he's upset, visibly upset. He tried to distance himself from everybody for a little bit. He still came back and had compassion on those that needed compassion. He still helped out those that needed help. That's a whole different message, but let's keep going. Verse 15, when evening came, the disciples approached him and they said, this place is deserted and it's already late. Send the crowds away so that they can go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus told them, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, but we only have five loaves and two fish here. And so Jesus said, bring them to me. And he commanded the crowds to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed them. He broke the loaves. He gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds. Everyone ate and they were satisfied. They picked up 12 basketful of leftover pieces. Now those who ate were about 5,000 men besides the women and the children. I used to love this story because I would think, man, how amazing is it that all those people, 5,000 men, so we're thinking 5,000 men, a lot of them were probably married. There was probably some kids there. Anywhere from nine to 15,000 people came and they heard Jesus spoke. But I started thinking about this, and as I got a little bit older, I realized a lot of those people probably didn't come to hear Jesus speak. A lot of those people showed up because they had a need. And where Jesus was, those needs were being met. I think about our food giveaway. If you haven't got to be a part of one of our food giveaways, man, it is, it's great. It's so much fun. It's, it's amazing how many people we get to bless with food and groceries and all that kind of stuff. But I can promise you a lot of those people that come to that don't come because they want to hear about Jesus. They come because they're hungry or they need food. They come because they have a need and that need is being met. A lot of these people that came to this feeding of the 5,000, as it's been called, probably didn't show up to hear this guy Jesus talk. They came because they had a need. They had something that Jesus had, or they wanted something that Jesus had. If you were around the church in the, in the 90s, the early 2000s, you might call it a God-shaped hole. We have this thing inside of us. Every single one of us, before we become Christians, we have this missing spot, this need, this want, this desire that only Jesus can fill, that only Jesus can take the place of. A lot of times, and I'd imagine most of us even in this room didn't come to church for the very first time because we heard that somebody spoke really good. There was a really good speaker who knew a lot of stuff and was smart. We came to church because whether we knew it or not, we had a need inside of us. We had something that needed to be filled desperately. And Jesus is the one that can do it. I think about <laughs> over and over how many of those people must have came that day and expecting something cool, and then they got a meal. And they would have been looking around thinking, 
wait a second, where'd they get all this food? I didn't see like a food truck or anything whenever we rolled up here. I didn't see, I didn't see like big piles of food just sitting at the side. How we, how'd we all get this food? And then I imagine word got around. Oh man, that was Jesus. Like Jesus blessed it and now there's all this food. People show up because they have a need. In the same way, those disciples, they had a need when they started following Jesus. They were looking for the Messiah. They were looking for purpose in their life. And when they found him, they saw him for who he was. And they kept following him. And they kept seeing what he was doing. And they kept going. And eventually, the disciples did what Jesus did. Now, he had to push them. Don't get me wrong. He had to say, no, 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 you guys, go feed them. You guys do it. So they had to stand up. They had to go look around for some food. They had to take some kid's lunch. No, that kid gave it, but they had to ask him for it. They took his lunch and they gave it to Jesus. I really believe that we're asked to do a whole lot less than we think. We think, oh man, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna go witness, if I'm gonna tell somebody about Jesus, I gotta make sure that I have all the right words, I, I do the right thing, I say the right thing, I say the right thing at the right time, when really... Jesus is like, hey, guys, just go tell people about me. Show people who I am, and he's going to take care of the rest. Jesus is the one that blessed it. Jesus is the one that sent him out to distribute it. Jesus did the heavy lifting. Those guys just had to show up and do what Jesus said. I think about when I was in high school, I had a, uh, I had a friend or a, a guy from my church that owned an air duct cleaning business. He would get up in people's ceilings or down on the floor, whatever, wherever their air ducts were, and clean out all the ducts, get all the dirt and dust and gunk and all that kind of stuff out and clean them all out. And every once in a while, his helper uh, wouldn't be able to come or was on vacation or something. So he'd ask me, hey, Cody, you wanna, you wanna come help me for the day? I got like four or five houses. We gotta go clean out the air ducts and you just need to, you know, help me haul the equipment around and stuff like that so I'm not doing it all by myself. Hold the ladder every once in a while type of deal. So I would, I'd go hang out with him and, you know, he'd pay me, I think, like five bucks an hour or something like that. It was, it was great. It was perfect for a, you know, a every once in a while thing when I was like 16, 17 years old. But one day when we got to the end, got back to my truck, he said, Cody, I feel like God's telling me to, to bless you. So here's $100. I was like, Whoa! I mean, to 16, 17-year-old for not doing anything other than like holding the ladder and hauling some equipment, I was excited. I was super stoked that this guy had just given me a $100 bill. Now, for him, it probably wasn't much, honestly. It probably was, you know, pocket change for him, basically. But to me, that was huge. I probably had something that I needed. I know it was around the time school was starting, so probably needed to buy some new pants or something. I don't know. But the fact that God told him to do it and he did it, that stuck with me to this day. Now, God could have went and God could have been like, Cody, I am blessing you. And a $100 bill like dropped out of the sky and I picked it up and been like, cool, thanks God. That could have happened, but it didn't. What happened is God used somebody. God told somebody to do something and they did it. And I was blessed for it. Now, I don't know for sure because, you know, we haven't like talked about it, but 
I am sure that guy was blessed as well. I know every time that I have done what God has told me to do and I did it and I blessed somebody, I've got just as much blessing back. Maybe not money, but I know when God blesses me. Maybe an appliance that goes out at just the right time when I'm able to fix it. Maybe it's some other just crazy blessing that I wouldn't have thought of, but I can see the hand of God in it. God blesses us. God wants to be a part of our lives and he wants to take care of us. But he asks us to bless others, to help others. And when we do that, everybody gets a gain from it. Everybody ends up being blessed because that's how God works. God chooses us to participate in what he's doing. God wants us to be a part of this bringing heaven to earth. Just like Ben sang in that song about stepping out of heaven and bringing heaven to earth. God wants that. God wants that little bit of heaven to be here with us now. He doesn't want us to have to wait a, a day or years or however long it is before we get to heaven. He doesn't want us to have to wait to see him. He wants us to be a part of what he's doing right now. He's called us to participate. We just have to pay a price. Usually it's a pretty small price. It's usually just listening to what God says and then doing it. The disciples saw Jesus for who he really was, and they showed that same Jesus to others through their actions. Now, don't mishear me. There is a time and a place to proclaim Jesus from the rooftops. There is a time to jump up and shout the name of Jesus and tell people about Jesus. But I really believe most people, and I'm speaking from personal experience here, most people find out about Jesus or really start getting to find out about Jesus because somebody that they were close to told them about Jesus. Somebody they were close to showed them who Jesus really was. God wants us to be his hands and his feet. God wants us to participate in what he's doing, but we gotta do it. We have to be the ones that step out and help other people and bless other people. And that's what it's all about. Seeing Jesus, seeing him for who he is, and not stopping. After this miracle, the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus says, okay, guys, I want you to get in the boat. I want you to go across the other side. I'm going to go pray for a little bit. I'm going to go and kind of recharge and all that kind of stuff. I'll dismiss the crowd. You guys get in the boat. Go to the other side. So the disciples, they jump in the boat. They start to go. They get halfway out and a big storm blows up. A storm so bad that the waves blowing against them, the winds are blowing against them, they can't even get to the other side. They fight it most of the night, and then all of a sudden out on the water, they see somebody coming towards them. They see Jesus. They don't know it's Jesus yet, but they see Jesus, and they start to get a little scared. Let's read Matthew chapter 14, verse 27. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come out to you on the water. So Jesus said, come. Then Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water and he came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and he began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him. You have little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when he climbed into the boat, the wind died down. They worshiped him saying, truly you are the son of God. Now remember, just hours, hours before this happened, 
These guys saw Jesus feed all these people. They literally had the baskets in their hands of the leftover pieces hours before. And I think, oh my goodness, guys, you had it right there. But then I also think, I do the same thing. We have services. We, we have these times of worship. We hear messages. When we're driving down the road and we hear a song on the radio that connects to us. We think, oh man, God, you're awesome. And then something goes bad and we just poof it all away. The disciples had seen this amazing miracle, but then they were still amazed and shocked that Jesus could go out and walk on the water. I really think verse 30 sums it up the best. But when, G when Peter saw the wind and he lost his focus, that's whenever he started to fall. Everything was good. Peter was doing something cool. And he took his eyes off Jesus. And that's when everything started to go down. Now, I'm not telling you to ignore the world around you because that doesn't do any good either. There's things that are happening in the world. We all know what's going on. We can't completely take our eyes off of it. But we can keep our focus on Jesus. We can keep our focus on what Jesus did, what Jesus has done in our personal lives. We can keep our focus on that and imagine if we did that. Imagine if Peter would have kept looking at Jesus. Imagine if Peter's focus would have been solely on Jesus. What would have happened? He would have stayed out there on the water. He would have walked some more. They would have went back and the wind would have died down and all that kind of stuff. But instead, he took his eyes off. He lost his focus and he started to fall. God wants to be our focus. God wants to have that relationship with each and every single one of us where we know that we know that we know we can depend on him. Whenever life storms, whenever the waves are beating against us, whenever the wind is blowing us all over the place, Jesus wants us to know, hey, I'm right here. All you gotta do is reach out. And just like Peter, when we reach out, he's gonna pick us up. But imagine how much more we could accomplish Imagine how many more people we could tell about Jesus and show them the love of God if we just kept our focus on him. When Peter lost his focus, he started to sink. But we don't have to. We know that if we keep our focus on Jesus, we can keep going. We can get through whatever life, whatever this world throws at us. We can get through it because we have Jesus there helping us out. Paul sums it up, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Now we have this treasure in clay jars so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. We are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. Going down to verse 16. Therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day for our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we don't focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. 
God wants to move. God wants, just like we talked about, to bring heaven to earth. He wants people to know him and feel his love and see what he's all about. But it first takes us. It first takes us seeing Jesus for who he really is, for what he wants to do in our lives and in the lives of those around us. It takes us being the hands and feet, giving when God tells us to give, speaking when God tells us to speak, not speaking when God tells us not to speak. It takes us listening to God and seeing him because whenever we really see Jesus, when we see him for who he is and for what he did, we're gonna wanna do the same. We're gonna wanna be the same type of people. We're gonna wanna do the same things that he did. But it starts with us. He wants to energize us. He wants to mobilize us. He wants to make a difference in the world. But it takes us seeing Jesus. And it takes us going and doing the same thing. Let's pray. God, I thank you for being you. I thank you that I can see you in my life. And I know that there's many others in this room that can say the same. So Lord, this morning I pray that we would keep seeing you, that we would keep our focus on you at all times. That Lord, we would realize what you wanna do and we would participate in what you're doing. God, I pray this morning for those that may not know you. That maybe those that have heard about you but never seen you for themselves. Lord, I pray that this morning, this would be the day that they would start to see you. And God, I pray for the rest of us that we'd keep seeing you, that we'd keep going, that we wouldn't give up, that we wouldn't let down, we wouldn't stop being the people that you've called us to be. So Lord, I thank you for all that you are, all that you do. We pray that Lord, you'll continue to speak to us. You'll continue to be our guide, our director, our friend, our hope, our help. Lord, we continue to trust you. And we love you, Jesus. In your name, amen.